once to see him up here looking so strong and uh, just being who Brother Owens was before the surgery, I am so thankful for that. Aren't you? You'll always have a special place in this church, being that he and I are brothers, not only in the same family of God, but we have shared the same mentor as well. And so we are sincerely thankful for that. We're going to go ahead and dismiss this morning our Sunday school now. Our Sunday school is kind of broken up and appreciate Brother Dustin Doty for standing in this morning and helping us out. Sister uh, Riggs, Sister um, Mandy, uh, as we are lacking Sunday school teachers this morning, but we're going to go ahead and dismiss our classes to their uh, different settings. And as we are dismissing this morning, if you will want to be ahead of the game, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15. We will at some point reinstitute good morning, Lord, and we'll have that time of transition and song back. But um, this morning is a little different. Um, I want to say a little bit more. Thank you, Brother Marty. And again, tithes and offerings. Appreciate that so much. Always welcome any time of the service. Um, but this morning is a little bit different. I um, heard my wife as I was uh, climbing the stairs to the loft this morning uh, mention just a little bit about it, but uh, we, we were given or we received a call about one o'clock in the morning, as I guess to be exact, the first call at 12.54, and then by the time I got my eyes open and everything to return, a few minutes had passed, but I got in touch with my son, and he was spending some time with some friends, and some of my friends from way back when, uh, he, was, he was in good company, and um, was it just enjoying a um, Iron Bowl uh, get together? But on his way home at a very early hour in the morning, late hour at night, the um, CV joint on the front of his truck broke and the tire came off, which threw him into a pretty good embankment. And before it was all over with, the truck was on his cab in a ditch. And um, all the airbags deployed. Um, he was able to remain or to regain consciousness, kicked his door open, and was able to get out, being upside down, and pull his wife out the other side. So I have, did, I have sent some pictures um, to the to the uh, website that we are very short on people this morning. Uh, the devil didn't want this service to happen today. He didn't want it to happen. I had actually asked Dustin to preach tonight, and he tried to kill him early this morning. So, but we have a heavenly father. <laughs> the devil don't have the final say, folks. He don't have the final say. We got a heavenly father. And it doesn't mean that we're going to go through life unscathed, unbruised, sometimes slip down the chest. It doesn't mean that God's not there, that he doesn't care. Of all the times that Brother Owens was out there working on his daughter's property, 
and being in the severe condition that he was. It could have happened at any time by himself. Nobody able to get to him, but God kept his hand on him. Don't tell me that God still doesn't reign in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. God still reigns. But do we have to endure? We do. Do we have trials? Yes, we do. And many sometimes are the afflictions, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. We'll have to replace a truck, but thank God it's just a truck that they were able to walk out. Skyler went to the emergency room. He was the one, she was the one that Dustin was worried about. And there wasn't to use an old-fashioned southern vernacular, there wasn't nary a broken bone. She maybe saw herself up for a few days, but there wasn't a broken bone, and God had his hand on her. It's a miracle that they survived that. It's a miracle. Broke two power line poles, and one was the old one, the other one was a brand new one they just put in, and the line was hanging over, and line's just above the truck. Truck didn't explode and burst into flames. God had his hand on it. I'm telling you, God stepped on the throne. He still is. Don't you count my God out of any situation that you may be facing in life. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. And thank you again, Brother Owens, for that encouraging word. And that is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture that he read and one of the most important to the ambitious saint of God who wants prosperity and success for their lives. You need to read that. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or standeth in the way of the sinner. Uh, it's beautiful. Isaiah 49 and 15, can a woman, the Lord asked, can a woman, Forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. One of the most powerful scriptures in the word of God when it comes to the faithfulness and perseverance of God and the effect of God's level of compassion for us. Yes, there are women who do forget. And it's amazing, Brother Henry, when we find one that does. Because the maternal instinct, instinct is as strong and powerful as anything that God has ever created on this earth. And yet we have women that forget their children. But the Lord said, though they may forget, I will not forget you. Let's give the Lord a Let's give the Lord right now for that promise. That's a promise today. Father, we ask you today, as we, Lord, have already invited 
church say, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In Genesis chapter 8, this passage of scripture highlights a time on the history of this earth. And I just, just within the last few days, before I ever knew what I was going to preach this morning, was testifying to somebody about the time, Brother Keith, of Noah. And realizing what a debaucherous time that that time was. The Bible said it was a time where the imagination and thoughts of men were only evil continually. It was a time where that um, the Lord, with as much compassion and long-suffering as he possesses, and yet in speaking to himself, said, It repenteth me that I have made man. It had gotten to such a low in the history of this earth that the Lord repented himself that he ever made man. But there was one almost in a last ditch effort to survey the earth, to scan it. The Lord's eyes fell upon one man and the Bible says but Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. And though everybody wanted to party, though everybody wanted to live it up, shoot it up, drink it up, store it up, at one point when Jesus' earthly ministry was in full blossom, one person asked him about the signs of his coming. And the Lord gave a sign. He said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. It was a wicked time. It was an evil time. Brother Owens talked about a little bit this morning about the landscape, politically and otherwise. It's a wicked time. It's a sinful time. It's a time when men are thinking of themselves. there's any time, and I haven't lived through all of them, I just know what I see before my eyes. But if there is a generation that fits the mold of what Jesus said, it brings hope to the God-filled Christian today. It brings hope that his coming is nigh, it's even at the door. When you hear and you reflect upon the words of Jesus, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving them in marriage and you not till the flood came and destroyed them all. But while he would have destroyed everything, as a matter of fact, that's not the first time the Lord's been really, really upset with creation. As a matter of fact, he told Moses one time, years after the flood, said, separate yourselves from them, and I'll raise you up a new congregation of people. I'll just wipe them all off, and we'll start a fraction of them. And it was Moses, the intercessor, with the intercessory cap on at the time, and 
said, Lord, what will the Egyptians say? What will the enemies of the Lord say that you brought your people out in the wilderness to destroy them? It was the intercessor Moses that brought about and extended grace from God's hand to the people. But the Bible says in Genesis 8 and 1 that God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. God remembered Noah and though it seemed like that the rain would never stop, 40 days and 40 nights the flood ravaged the earth. Though it may have felt like this was a new way of life for Noah and the family, the Bible says that God did not forget him, but remembered him. Again, I appreciate and what, what a vein that Brother Owens opened up and keynoted this message with because uh, this is important today to understand that though it gets rough and though the times get trying, there is a God who promised, everybody say promise, he promised that he would never leave us, he promised he would never forsake us, no, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So important is the concept of believing that my God hasn't left us. He hasn't forgotten about us. Is that Paul punctuated in Hebrews chapter 6, the, the writing in verse 10, for God is righteous to forget your work and labor of love. God is not unrighteous, Brother Henry, to forget the hours that you put in, the work that you have done, the labor that you have put forth, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Another promise, God is not so unrighteous as to forget you in your time of need. He's not not. Sister Carolyn, all those years, starting very early in life, of which you had no control over because the decisions were made for you. But as a little girl, when Danny Brock would send you out with Krispy Kreme donuts, or you working for the kingdom of God, it wasn't that you volunteered, you were voluntold. But it stuck with you for so long that when you became of age and you got to making your own decisions,
decisions and it came time for you to organize and manage your own life. The thanks be to God that devotion, dedication, and commitment and service to God continued and there you continued to work for the ministry of the kingdom of God and you worked in various you've been a lot of things in this church. I came in today and I saw Brother Wayne. He had a vacuum cleaner going and I just kind of slumped. I said, man, you do so much around here. And I said, I hate to see you. I hate to see you using the vacuum hall, brother. And just so humble. Oh, it's nothing. It just needs to be done. And, and you know, we're just doing it. We're just doing what needs to be done. Well, that's kind of how Sister Carolyn's been. She's been Sunday school teacher. She's been on the board since I've been pastoring here. She's been our secretary. She was SPA of the fireworks stand. And then there were times, I'm sure, that within the last year and a half, when her body was going through that chemo, and it seemed like she was just withering away to nothing, and family was discouraged, or not discouraged, but, but, but they were to the point where they, they wanted to help, but there wasn't anything they could do to see her up here this morning as evidence that God will not forget your labor of love, Sister Karen. I don't know that you sang that song any more beautiful than what you did this morning. And God did not forget you. He has not because he remembers every minute of every day. He remembers every hour of every day of the sacrifice of your, of your determination to do something for him. And I'm thankful that God is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not slack. What he has said, he will bring forth. I did some research some time back, and I was amazed at the parallels of Isaiah when it comes to the ministry of Jesus Christ. You see, it was Isaiah who opened up our text this morning with a question. A question that most of us would gladly raise our hands and, and anybody that's ever had the privilege of being raised by a good mother. I mean a good one. That felt and hurt when you felt and hurt. That joy when you were joyful. That sacrifice so that you might have just so you might have more. It's hard to think for those of us who were raised with good mothers that there are mothers out there that have thrown their newborn babies in trash cans and in a public bathroom. In the dumpsters, we don't live too far from a lady that right now has several citations against her, and if she hasn't gone to court, soon will. She's had babies in the bathtub, and she's had some, but she's had one, I believe, that she buried 
outside of her trailer. Can a mother forget her child? Yes, they can. God knows with his all-seeing eye they can. He said, but the greatest threat. There's a reason why that when that baby is born, that that umbilical cord has to be cut. Because God has provided a natural attachment between that mother and that child. It is a lifeline. And it is something that should be there forever. Not that, that physical attachment, no. But because they receive life in that mother's womb through that umbilical cord, and that, that, that that would always be an emotional thing, an attachment. But yet there are mothers today that forget that natural design by God to have always a mother that's close. For those of us that have had close mothers in life, they're still close to us. Some of our mothers have gone on now to meet their reward, but the memories still are very close. At times, we'll go down the road, and, and there'll be a, uh, just like around this time of year, and there'll be a memory that will pop into our minds of Thanksgiving, of Christmas, and how that mom was able to make that so beautiful. <coughs> My goodness. And yet, there are mothers who forget their babies. The Lord said, yes, I know that they're out there. And yes, they may forget Yet will not I forget thee. That closest example of, of love and connection. And Jesus used it in talking to Isaiah to bring about a further and more involved connection between God and man. Though mothers may forget, God will never forget you. Never forget you. When I did this research, and I'll try to be brief this morning on what I gathered from Isaiah, but this man was something special. He was accounted chief of the writing prophets. He had the more comprehensive testimony and uh, was and is the distinctive uh, prophet of redemption. One theologian said about Isaiah, nowhere else in the scriptures written under the law have we so clear a view of grace. Isaiah opened grace up to us. Isaiah was the precursor of the Messiah and made the people knowledgeable about grace and God's administration of it. Isaiah's name actually means the salvation of Jehovah. And it's more than coincidental that he is known today as the evangelical prophet. His writings contain the same number of chapters that the Bible has books, 66. The Bible has two main divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The book of Isaiah has two main divisions, looking toward the captivities and then looking beyond 
the first division of the book of Isaiah 39. Consequently, 27 books are left to make up the 27th or the second rather division of the Bible. And that's how many books uh, coincidentally are in the New Testament. Uh, 27 chapters give away to embody the second division of the book of Isaiah's message. The impending Babylonian captivity and God's redemption through the Messiah. He talked about the righteous branch. It was Isaiah 9, the ninth chapter. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And Isaiah went on to tell of a government that would never come to an end. Of the increase and the of the increase of his government of peace, there shall be no end. No end. We may be knocked down at times. Brother Owen, but we're not knocked out. If the devil would have had his way, you would have never, never had another testimony come forth from those lips of yours. But you gave one here today. I don't know how many messages you went back to your pulpit to preach, but God isn't through with you yet. Hallelujah. He's not through. The devil don't have a say-so in our ministry. He doesn't have a say-so in our calling. All he can try to do is discourage us, but God provides the fuel and the power and the call. Our text this morning comes from the second division of the book of Isaiah, looking beyond the captivities. And in that, Isaiah wrote a declaration from God, but not before the Lord asked a profound question. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. If I were to ask, or if I were to be asked this question this morning, everything pure and wholesome and natural that's within me would cry out, No! Because I remember my mother, Brother Delbert. She never forgot her big boy. She never forgot me. She don't forget me now. She's not here with me this morning, but she hasn't forgotten me. It's not natural for a mother to forget her unweaned child. A mother cannot but be concerned for her own child, for the infant is a piece of herself and at one with her. Yet the Lord acknowledged the fact that the maternal instinct of some would forget their very own children. Some of us have heard, and I made a brief excerpt to this a little while ago, but to illustrate the Lord's acknowledgement of this atrocious and unnatural act. Imagine this scenario. It's just before dawn. The superintendent of an apartment building notices something moving about in the dumpster 
he hears a faint cry and he finds a baby wrapped in old clothes or perhaps inside a bag or worse, he finds a dead child. This scenario or one like it has happened over 100 times across the United States in 1998 or over 100 times in 1998 alone. Amen. Depending on the source of the, of the statistics of the babies that are left in this manner, about one third of the babies are already dead when they are discovered or soon die after. It was only a few years ago in 1999 that 13 babies were abandoned this way in Houston alone. Now these are old statistics, but I imagine they've only increased throughout this past year. In a world that has increasingly become more tolerant to sin, it is good for us to be given a reality check informing us to the condition of our lives in relation to God while many have become desensitized to the state of our world. The following prayer reported to have been prayed by one that many of you will recognize when I say his name, Paul Harvey, offers a reality check to the condition of our world. Now, Paul Harvey has since gone on to his reward, but this was Paul Harvey's own air prayer as it was relayed to me. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, Woe to those who call evil good, but that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O oh God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Amen. Through 1999, 39 million 
290,477 abortions were performed in the United States. As unnatural and cruel as it seems to those of us in this building this morning, mothers all over this country are forgetting their babies, born and unborn. But God said, yea, though they may forget. first the kingdom of God and 
his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. As I received the call and I listened to Dustin's inflection this morning and I paid attention to the things that were not said and I was getting ready to go to the scene of the accident and I looked over at my wife and I said, are you going? And she said, I probably won't. And she knew by my face that that wasn't what I really wanted. I said, I don't know what we're going to. She said, well, it sounds like everything. I said, there's something there. Huh. I said, I think you need to go. She said, I'm getting ready. And when we got there and saw all the emergency response and as we prepared to try to go around only one lane of traffic on that two-lane road and my heart sunk when I looked over at the truck and I thought what could have been. Sister Carolyn, that's the second time that I've been called to an accident where I could have seen my kids in parts dismembered. But when I pulled my truck over to the side and I saw my six foot, two and a half, three inch boy standing on the side of the road, thank you, Jesus. They said that the iron bolt was a historic thing yesterday that it made history. We had an epic testimony service Tuesday night. I think it was one of the best that this church has ever had. From the very start, I was in tears as I listened to my boy lead us off that night talking about how God had blessed him. How that he had received those raises in that home and the loan worked out and everything seemed to be coming together and he just really thanked God. I know he's been busy and he was supposed to have been off all this week and he's a good worker. And because they needed some extra help, they asked him to work and he did. And he only had a limited time. I said, son, if you've got just the day, I said, and I, and I don't mind telling this church what I told him. I said, son, Brother Wayne is working himself down. And I said, he's, he's there from Candy Cake and Colton's been there. I said, if you can just devote a day, I don't matter to me when it is. 
my schedule, but we got some electrical to do. If you can just make a day. He said, Daddy, well, I'll have some time next week. He said, I'll have some time. Well, he came to me the other day and said, Daddy, I, actually, they let me off the rest of the week. I've got Friday. Can we work Friday? I said, yes, sir, we can work Friday. He came up here Friday and he helped me pull the electrical through. We worked on the building. Brother Wayne and I left to go get some lunch, but he had already eaten, so he stayed there to finish up the hood, some things to do with the hood at the kitchen. He was investing himself in the kingdom. Added to the testimonies of what God has done for him. And we told him we probably won't see you when we get back, but you be careful going back home and we exchange those pleasantries. You can't hardly see that in that frame, but that's what the truck looked like when I got there. It's told. Fast forward to early this morning, I got the call and I saw him and I saw the truck. I remembered his testimonies from Tuesday night and how they made me weep when I knew he talked about Brother Henry, you remember $800 is all he had in savings. He said this. I'm not unveiling it. Beyond what he has already freely gave, but he gave that testimony. He said, Daddy, I felt led to go into that room and me and Scott put our hands over that money and we prayed. It's all we had, but we needed a miracle. And we gave it to the evangelist that was here for the work of God. And it wasn't long after that, Brother Henry, things started opening up for him. He got that good job. He was able to sell his truck and make money off of it. He was able to get the house. Things seemed to be going, and he's blessing the name of the Lord. It wasn't too long ago. One of the sisters at the table over lunch said, when are we going to hear you preach again? They didn't know I was listening, but I was. Whenever I'm asked, he said, and I had him on the books to preach tonight. God had given him a message. He said a while back, and she was just waiting to preach it. And and so it, it's going. It's, it's a good one. We're going to hear it. It's, it's a good one. It may not be tonight, but we're going to hear it. It's a good one. The devil, if he had his, you know, John ten and ten says, "The thief cometh not but for to steal." kill and destroy that's what the thief wants to do to everybody in this house today every young person in that class right there and every child on that corner over there the devil's not your friend he's not our friend people talking about selling their souls to the devil for popularity fame and fortune if a man gained the whole world and lose his soul what would it Still be alive. 
that fame was all there was, that Michael Jackson and Elvis would still be. Oh, it comes with uh, some obligations and weights that you don't want to have to be tagged in your life or part of it. Uh, but thanks be to God uh, that though the devil wants to try to destroy us, uh, Jesus said, I got the keys. Uh, amen. We may have to suffer some things in this life. But if I've ever believed in the protective custody and cloak of Almighty God, Sister Ruby, I believe in more now, these 53 years removed, than I ever have before. Amen. When I walk up on something like that and know that my baby's going to be spared, God is still alive. The devil's not in control. God is. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We are living in a place today where you can most certainly do that. You can make the conscious choice. I can lose everything, but I don't want to lose my integrity. I can lose everything, but I don't want to lose my walk with God. That's most important in my life, Sister Ruby, and every day that we get it becomes more precious. That hope that lies within me, that he has prepared a place for me, amen, to where he is, I may be also, and he said, comfort one another with these words, amen, I've prepared a place for you, if you don't give up. So if I've got to sacrifice my multi-million dollar mansion, if I sacrifice my Audis and my Ferraris, if I sacrifice a lot down here, but God gives me life, I, I trade life for any material possession on this earth. I trade life. That Paul was making in the church, but I've chosen this scripture for a reason. I speak as a fool. In other words, I'm being facetious and that was sarcastic. I am more because, yes, they were ministers, but but what I have to say involves just a little bit more, Brother Delver. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequent. Listen to the rest of that. In deaths, often. How many times was Paul left for dead? Let me ask this question. Brother Owens, we can't really answer this, but I wonder how many times he was left and he was actually dead. I don't know how it falls. And all of a sudden, the devil don't have any control over how long you live. That's between you and God. And somebody said, well, wait, what do I have to do with it? Because you can lengthen your days or shorten. That's based on the Bible, too. And a lot of it's got to do with how you treat mom. How you treat daddy. Brother Owens, you're here today. Not because of anything the devil did. He wanted to take you out. He was already counting for the count. 
God said, no, no, I, I'm not through with him yet. And God's hand was stayed down, just like with Dustin and Scott. Two very important people in the future of this church and in Young Set Records last year with youth camp in the Alabama district here. And the devil would have liked nothing more than for that to be their last trip down the road. But that night an angel was dispatched and said, whatever happens to that truck, I don't want nothing happening in that precious car, no. You want to know why I live for God? Everything that I preached this morning, Sister Ruby, he is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Somebody needs to take a big bite out of Jesus today. And you need to understand how good he is. As we close out this Thanksgiving or this Thanksgiving week, rather, in this last weekend of Thanksgiving, as we close it out, I think it would be most fitting. I'm going to take advantage of it. If we were to raise our hands, or bow our knees, or walk across the church, but in whatever form of expression we choose to do it in, I think it would be fitting today to offer up praise and thanksgiving to him for his tender loving care 